Welcome back. Another edition of Nothing But Airtime on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Today's a hater show. It's Hater Wednesday. This Wednesday just kind of feels like a hater Wednesday. We're in the depths of the winter time, waiting for that spring to come. So I'm going to hate on some things. I'm going to hate on James Harden. I'm going to hate on that corny man out in L.A. I'm going to have a hater Wednesday with classic movie tropes. I'm also breaking out the time machine, though, doing some motion picture minute for the earlier listeners of the show, breaking down some of the top movie commercials I saw during Super Bowl, doing some Tinder takes based on the Super Bowl, and sticking in the time machine, million-dollar moves, looking at some NBA award winners heading into the All-Star break. If you want to tail my million-dollar moves, go to betus.com.pa, enter my promo code AIRTIME, that's A-I-R-T-I-M-E, at first deposit, and you can win some money, too, tailing my picks on MVP, Coach of the Year, and Most Improved Player. Big time Wednesday show, folks. Heat flowing right through us. Let's get right into it. Welcome to another edition of the round ball recap we start by hopping in a time machine to 1998 where an empty pair of jordan sat unoccupied at the united center waiting begging for another mid-range centric wing to come fill those shoes now back in the present day to where the shoes are filled by now three-time award winner eastern conference player of the week demar derozan he led the bulls to four straight victories this week and out west luka Doncic said out with the magic in with the good play kicked the unicorn to the curb and went on a tear he won the western conference player of the week looking at the team seth curry and andre drummond won a game for brooklyn and said look at us look at us who would have thought not me for certain, and certainly not me. Those guys in Brooklyn's a weird sight, but hey, they are off the schneid. Staying in NY, those New York Knicks need a New York fix. They got to get themselves out of the cellar, losing eight out of their last ten. And on the winning side of things, heading into Tuesday night, the Boston Celtics and Utah Jazz are hotter than a pair of balls in skinny jeans during the summer. Boston's up to eight in a row, Utah's up to six in a row. And lastly, those stinky LA Lakers stay put over deadline week, while Rob Polinka stayed put and Rev- on the good time, spending the deadline near the bubble in Disney World. Maybe he's hoping for some more Mickey Mouse magic. Who knows? But that's it for this crazy week's edition of the Round Ball Recap. Back to your regular scheduled programming. So welcome, crazy, crazy week. James Harden's a Philadelphia 76er. LeBron James mad at ownership. And whether it's LeBron James or James Harden, both are well-deserving, in my opinion, of the hate storm that's about to come their way, and that has come their way. I'm going to continue throwing that hate storm. This is the James Hate Hour, and we're going to start with the bad man that is now in Philly, but he was a bad man in Houston. He was a bad man in Brooklyn. Now he's a very bad man in Philly. He just reunited with Maury. Maury Ball is back. Maury Ball back again, doing a little East Coast swing. That's right, folks. James Harden, Daryl Morey, reunited again. I'm going to go through the timeline of how we got here, just so all of you understand how easy it is to fall in hate with this guy. A lot of people fall in love. I fell in hate with James Harden. We're going to start in Houston, because obviously he spent time. He was the sixth man in Oklahoma City. Yeah, great. He was the sixth man of the year. Played with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. Oh, my goodness. We all know that story. First things first, James Harden has run out countless Hall of Famers. First off, he ran out Dwight Howard. I'm not mad at that one. Dwight Howard's an eccentric attitude. Dwight Howard thought he was really good. The league was getting smaller. Whatever. Fine. Harden then picks up Chris Paul. He then runs out Chris Paul, traded him for Russell Westbrook, and every NBA fan knows how that deal turned out. He then ran out Clint Capella, picked up Russell Westbrook, as I said in the Chris Paul trade. He picked up Carmelo Anthony at one point. He ran out of Carmelo Anthony, but Carmelo was averaging 14 a game on 12 shots with Houston, so maybe that one was warranted too. But 
I'm going to start with the Chris Paul stuff. Chris Paul told Russ, I believe, when Russ came into Houston that, hey, man, this is Harden's show. You mess up, you're gone. He was right. He was right. He then ran out Mike D'Antoni after they lost to the Lakers. They picked up John Wall. They picked up Christian Wood. Houston kind of said, hey, we're moving forward to a, a, a different team around Harden. Got a new coach in there. And then he just fat-suited his way out. Pretty cool. Seven seasons in Houston. One of the best players in Rockets history, maybe. And he fat-suited his way out. Awesome. Ran out Chris Paul, who's probably the second best point guard in the NBA right now. Third, depending on how you see Steph and Ja. But there's your three. Not good. But add this to the play. And this, I, I'm just talking about guys he has ran out. He's in LeBron James level territory. Maybe he's in a league of his own when you're talking about. I mean, Russell Westbrook's been playing with some pretty good players, but Harden is in a league of his own when he talk about Hall of Fame talent that he's ran out. Joel Embiid, now he's playing with, but he played with Durant, Aldridge, Kyrie, Blake Griffin, Patty Mills, all on the Nets. On Houston, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon. He didn't run out Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, for some forsaken reason, is still on the Houston Rockets. Damn you, Cleveland Cavaliers. But looking at his play, in his seven seasons in Houston, his play basically became a math equation. It became Maury Ball. If they ever wanted to make a movie like they did Moneyball with... The MLB, it'd be Maury Ball. It, it, it has the same arc. And maybe I, I, they probably don't focus on James Harden because in Moneyball, they didn't even see the fact that they had one of the best pitching staffs in the MLB. They didn't have they had the MVP, Miguel Tejada. Yeah, those two guys will help. Maybe they just totally disregard Harden in this story. It's hard not to. Maybe they just pick out, like, I don't know, Eric Gordon is Jeremy Giambi. Or, 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 or Carmelo Anthony's Jeremy Giambi. David Judd, why do we like him? He hits threes. I, I mean, the story writes itself. Maury Ball would be just a crazy Kyrie Irving. What's his deficiency? Well, he's not vaccinated. Can't play on the home, at, uh, at home. He can play on the road. Why do we like him? He hits threes. It, the story writes itself, folks. Maury Ball would be a coup in the box office when you're talking about a basketball analytics movie. But James Harden made basketball, back to the original point, a math equation. He averaged at least 10 free throws in his last six years with Houston, had the highest usage rate in the NBA, took over th- took over eight threes a game for the last five, and he just revolutionized ISO ball. In the moment that they strayed away from listening to him, the moment D'Antoni left, the moment Maury left, what did he do? He whined. He stopped trying. He shaved his head into a mohawk. How can we trust a fully grown man that is 30 years old have a mohawk if he's not Mr. T? How can we do it? But I'm, I'm all hot and bothered now. James Harden, probably one of the biggest anti-James Harden guys you will ever talk to. He's a good player. One of the best shooting guards I have ever seen in my time. Just don't like how he plays. I don't like how he runs out. I don't like that he just is a cancer in a locker room, it feels like. Everything has to be around James Harden. Everything. But the moment they stopped listening to Harden, the moment it wasn't around James Harden, fat suited. Stop pl- stop playing hard. John Wall, Christian Wood were like, what the hell, man? Like, we are here. We want to help you compete. And Harden's like, yeah, no, screw you guys. I'm out of here. I'm going to my friends, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, who, for the time being, don't look like they were friends ever. So then he goes to the Nets. And, and uh, according to reports, somehow he was the adult in the room. A 30-year-old man that loves going to gentlemen's clubs and had a mohawk was the adult in the room, to give you an idea of how great that culture was in Brooklyn. Iso ball was not prevalent. KD, Kyrie, Harden, Blake Griffin. There was a lot of dribble handoffs, fluid motion. It looked good. Harden gets hurt in the playoffs. They lose the Bucks. whatever. If Harden doesn't 
Quick side note, what if here? I keep taking side notes. If Harden doesn't get hurt and the Nets win that series, is he still a Brooklyn Net? I'd like to think so. I don't know. Flash forward to this year. Harden did not look like himself early. Wasn't hitting threes. Wasn't getting to the line as much. Maybe had was dealing with some of that hamstring injury because he all he did was drink and go to gentlemen's clubs all summer. Who knows? But then there was no Kyrie. There was fractures in the locker room starting to show. And who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. Kyrie Irving and James Harden in a locker room together would be troublesome. I would never think that. But anyway, Harden is then shipped back into Maury's arms. Like, quite literally, too. There's a weird picture of the two where it looks like Harden's getting home from his, like, 14th tour. And Minnie's just, Maury's just grinning ear to ear. Whatever. James Harden, bad guy. And now there's just videos of Harden who just looks healthy as hell. Like, taking step backs, messing around with Tyrese Maxey, laughing at practice. We all saw that with Brooklyn. What happens when they lose in the first round? Oh, yeah, and mention, forgot to mention this with James Harden. He left $47 million. Let me say that one more clearly. $47.47 million on the table by not picking up his player option today. Who's to say that if this goes all wrong, if him and Embiid don't work, if Maury just gives him the keys and it doesn't work, that he don't pack up and leave? I'm seriously over the hard antics. The lack of effort, fake injury, scapegoat, fat suits, locker room cancer, whatever it be, I'm over it. And I'm seriously worried about the Sixers. Maury Paul is back in a big way. Why? Because they hit threes and they have James Harden. And I'm scared that potential MVP Joel Embiid will not have a chance to be used in full force with Harden. He has been an MVP candidate. Granted, they got just absolutely worked by the Boston Celtics. But Embiid's still an MVP candidate, nonetheless. When you bring in Harden, Maxie's going to see a significant dip in usage. You got rid of Seth Curry, who's probably one of the best like knockdown shooters in the NBA right now that doesn't need the ball in his hands. He was talked about it last week, garnering chemistry with Embiid, doing the dribble handoff stuff. It was fun to watch. And, and Maxie is starting to do that get that chemistry with Embiid too, but he's going to see a significant dip when Harden's getting 34% of the usage rate, uh, right? Like a third, of the, a third of the possessions are just here, James, do what James Harden does. Okay. Maury's belief in star power winning, I get it. I, I, I get it, but the fact that you are, I don't Harden's a cancer in the locker room, in my opinion. He's a star, but he's never won. He's ran out guys on former teams. And Maury is just bending over backwards for the guy. A guy who is notoriously choked on the biggest stage. I'm over the dude with the mohawk in Philly. I'm over it. I hope he don't win this year. I hope it all goes to hell, and he is just kind of blackballed by Daryl Morey for the rest of his life. But that won't happen because Daryl Morey and James Harden, for whatever reason, are like father and son. There are two worlds with Harden on the Sixers. The fit works, could absolutely win a championship. He could make Embiid that much better. Or James Harden has the keys with Embiid locked in the trunk and Morey's giving directions like the GPS. They lose. Harden doesn't resign. They lose. They blame Rivers or Embiid. They fire Rivers. They trade Embiid, possibly. But seriously, I'm over Harden either way. Winning or not, I'm just over it. Real quick on another James. LeBron James is corny. He tweeted that we Dodgers and Rams should all do a joint parade together with a live concert afterwards and at City of Champions. Congrats. I'm sorry, LeBron James. The City of Champions? Last I checked... We're going on year two since you and those stinky Lakers have won a ring. Y'all aren't coming close to the champions this year. Y'all ain't coming close to the champions next year. And I'm going to ask you politely, stay away from my boy Matty Stafford. Don't corrupt him and tell him to trade for Russell Westbrook in the NFL. And one more thing. When Michael Jordan was winning all those rings, you didn't see him begging everybody else because he's not corny. 
But no, seriously. When you're talking about LeBron and the Lakers right now, it, it sounds like they're kind of done as him as a GM, and it's fantastic to watch. Palinka was on record saying that alignment with Anthony Davis and LeBron James about the team's future this season, they were in alignment. Excuse me? LeBron wanted Russ flip, Horton Tucker flip, that 2027 pick flip, because they want to win now. When you sign LeBron James, you are committing to a win now. LeBron James is 37. Nobody cares about that 2027 pick. They want to see a ring with LeBron again. But then the plot thickened. Because Polinka said that early last week, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe just strap it up, trade Russ in the offseason, go next year. A source close to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, ESPN's Dave McMenamin. McMenamin? I don't know how to pronounce that. How James has handled this season has been pretty problematic and, and said that those Palenka claims were, quote, totally false. There's some problems brewing in L.A., whether it's GM and front office stuff for LeBron James, whether LeBron's going to make Frank Vogel the scapegoat, Anthony Davis the scapegoat, Russell Westbrook the scapegoat. It just hasn't been LeBron's fault this season yet. His stats are good. He, he carries the team. He does a lot of things. He's playing center. He's playing point guard. Great. Good for LeBron James. You're the best player on the team. You've got to have a little bit more pull, even if they don't want to spend money, even if they don't want to trade that 2027 pick. They don't believe in you, LeBron. That's why they didn't trade for anybody. They don't think this year is the year. Sticking on LeBron, one more thing. It's a flawed team. It's not LeBron's fault that they're getting blown out. But when they are getting blown out, he's absolutely record-chasing, which is fine. Many are calling it stat padding. Am I part of that many that's calling it stat padding? Well, who's to say? But I have a couple quick tidbits about this stat padding claim. Last Wednesday, the Lakers played the Bucs and were down about 25 in the third quarter. Brown was at 17 points. Usually when you're down 25 in the third quarter, you say, hey, let's strap it in, play some of the young guys on the bench, see if we can get it closer. No siree. LeBron James came in, checked himself in, scored next 8 of 10 for the Lakers. He got to that mystical total of 25 points to keep that streak going, went back to the bench, and then came in late as the lead got close, game got close. He only put up two more points, ending at 27. If you don't believe me, Go watch the game. If you don't believe me, here's some stats too. Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James. Three of the best forwards in the league right now. Giannis is at 29.2 points a game on 18 attempts at 54% from the field. And he only plays 32 minutes a game. Got the highest PER of them all too at 32.5. Kevin Durant is at 29.3 on 20 attempts with 52% field goal percentage, playing 35 minutes a game. Second highest minutes per game. Lowest PER, however, interesting, 26.3. LeBron James is at 29 points on the most field goal attempts and tied for the lowest field goal percentage with KD, and he's playing 37 minutes a game. Granted, I know the Lakers don't have anybody else. Some of these games are blowouts. He's got to conserve his bullets, man. He's 37. He's out there just trying to rack up numbers, which is fine. But this to me is like Cal Ripken getting five innings and counting it to the game streak if they're down 30 and he comes in to put up eight points against the scrubs. Whatever. What I want to see out of this, I want to see Giannis take the approach that LeBron's taken and just play down the stretch when they're up 25, just like the good overplaying Lord Tom Thibodeau told us we should. I want to see if Giannis can average 35 a game playing as much as LeBron. I want to. I, I think he can. Moving forward, though, we are adding to the anti-list. Right now, we're just an anti-rodent show. I hate the gopher or whatever, the, the groundhog on Groundhog's Day. Now we're an anti-James show, whether it be poor management and stat padding or just being an eccentric wild card that has a mohawk and could burn Philly literally to the ground. This is an anti-James show. Which is a shame to me because Super Freak is a fantastic song. But James Harden and LeBron ruined it for me. Sorry, Ricky boy. Rick James, I wish I could do it for you, man. 
I wish. After the break, a pretty big football game happened, which I guess will open up Twinder, Tinder, Twinder, the Tinder Swindler on Netflix. Pretty good show. Quick side note. A lot of side notes today, guys. A lot of side notes. But no, I'll open up Tinder and swipe on some of the happening happenings. Holy cow. I'll open up Twitter, Tinder and swipe on some of the happenings of the Super Bowl all after. I am immediately going to get into some of the Super Bowl happenings, and I'm immediately going to swipe left on the coin flip. It is always tails never fails. But four out of the last five years, a heads coin flip, a brutal beat for your boy. Opening up with The Rock cutting an Attitude Era promo and entertaining the millions and millions of football fans everywhere. It was pretty fun. His arms are just absolutely massive. They are almost cartoonish at this point. He could pop my head off with those, but it gets a swipe right for me. Absolutely enjoyed Rock entertaining the millions and millions of football fanatics. The game itself was okay. OBJ immediately gets a swipe up for me, though. He had an absolute crazy effect on the game in the first couple of drives before he got hurt. Two two receptions, 52 yards, 35-yard snag, and a 23-yard touchdown. Uh, Excuse me, 23-yard touchdown and a 29-yard snag. I don't know exactly what it was, but he had 52 yards, two receptions, and a touchdown. I can tell you that because your boy got a good beat there. But OBJ absolutely had a crazy effect on the game. Keeping up with Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, OBJ. It was tough at the beginning of the game. Once OBJ went down, play calling got a little tougher for the Rams. Could have been a blowout with OBJ healthy, though. I'm a firm believer in that. Then Joe Mixon threw a touchdown pass, and we're off to a pretty solid start. Another swipe right. I'm going to start off by saying I've got a swipe up for the NFL rigged crowd. The line for the game was Rams by 3.5. The Rams' halftime point total was 13.5. Johnny Hacker biffed a snap. Rams won by 3. And the Rams put up 13 points in this first half. So a swipe up for the NFL rigged crowd, but a left swipe for a bad beat for your boy. A large swipe up for everything to do with the halftime show. Everything. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg opening it up. The set was fantastic. The changing of the trailers, I think that's what they were. We'll call them what the we'll call them trailers. The map of Compton was great. The set was awesome. Just crazy. Mary J. Blige killed it. Eminem had the people putting their hand over their mouth and bobbing their hand like they were an eight mile. And then the close with all five still singing Still Dre on top of the main trailer. Fire flames everywhere. Huge massive swipe up absolutely loved the halftime show third quarter came out with some more fuel to the nfl rigged fire as t higgins gave jalen ramsey just the patented rick flair eye gouge i mean i've seen rick flair do it to hogan many times we've all seen it and j and jalen ramsey just happened to get the treatment from t higgins Ended up being a 75-yard touchdown, to which the game ended with what felt like a makeup call while they called holding on Logan Wilson, holding Cooper Cup. So a swipe left for the referees. And this one, I'm giving another swipe left to Zach Taylor. You had second and one with the game on the line and couldn't do anything about it. You called a pass to Samaji Pirine, man. Samaji Pirine. He had one touch before the game. What the? What the hell? So absolutely swiping left on Zach Taylor. Sorry, absolutely ranting here. A massive swipe up to the best man, the best football player I have ever seen. He probably should have, he probably should have, could have, whatever you want to say with the MVP. Aaron Donald blew up a couple of runs late, wrapped Joey B up to close the game on that fourth and one throw to Samaji P. Ryan. Still can't believe. It. A massive swipe up on the Stafford inside of me, on the Stafford fan inside of me as well. Stafford has always been one of my favorite players growing up a Lions fan, so seeing him on the biggest stage doing it all, winning the championship. All of us Detroit fans knew he had it in him, so it was fun to see him 
on top. Overall, the game was solid. Halftime show was great. And holy commercials were just okay. But what did we get? We got some awesome movie releases. So we're going to give the game overall a swipe right and hop over to the Motion Picture Minute. Folk, it is back again, breaking out the time machine after we went back to see DeMar DeRozan filling those Jordans. We're going back to the start of 2021, to the start of this show, and giving a motion picture minute, dropping the best movie trailers I've saw on Sunday. And I'm going to start with the best in the biz first. What a drop for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. It gives me the horrorish vibes that we had the multiverse and Professor X and Wanda's a villain and Variants and Loki and Captain Marvel and Tom Cruise's Iron Man. Like, what is going on, you know? It's going to be awesome. The multiverse, you know, count me in on this one. Moon Knight trailer was great. Marvel's kind of taking this darker turn with their new content and is going to be perfect. So I'm absolutely loving the top trailer release on Super Bowl, which was Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Second best trailer reveal, I guess, would you call it? For me, Jurassic World Dominion. It's a good year to be a movie fan. It's a good year to be a person that likes watching movies in movie theaters when you're talking about Doctor Strange and Jurassic World and Top Gun. I mean, oh my goodness, I'm losing my... I'm just going crazy thinking about it. With a big bucket of popcorn and a Coke next to me? Come on, that's not going to be me in the summer, right? No, not a chance. But no, seriously, exquisite graphics. The plot is thickened with dinosaurs and the world that we live in. And then you got the OGs coming back. Jeff Goldblum, how we doing? Come into Jurassic World Dominion, baby, and let's have a freaking good movie with Chris Pratt. I'm excited, man. Holy cow. Jurassic World Dominion looks awesome. And then we really turned and got creepy. Jordan Peele's having a new horror movie. He has Get Out. He has us. Two classics. But he came out with Nope. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I will for sure be saying Nope a lot while I'm watching this movie because it is giving me serious signs vibes. M. Night Shyamalan's Alien movie, and that movie literally scared the poo out of me as a kid. And now we got Jordan Peele's creative mind that is going to get his hands on a plot similar. Whoo, baby, am I interested in this one. Nope is third for my top release on Super Bowl Sunday. And maybe I'm just a sucker for Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt and Daniel Radcliffe, but the Lost City trailer made that movie look like it was going to be a lot of fun too. Action, comedy, random cameos. It's another entertaining one. It's probably not going to have the best plot. It's not going to be the greatest movie, but I'll tell you what, I'll be entertained with a big bucket of popcorn by me. So the Lost City, very excited for that one as well. And And then... We just decided to get this Porsche commercial and get Tom Cruise as Maverick on it. Top Gun Maverick and Porsche kind of combined this trailer ad type. You've got no plot details on Top Gun, no Miles Teller who I thought was going to be in the movie, and I just know that Porsche has sick cars now. The movie keeps getting pushed back. There was no information during the spot on the Super Bowl, but hey, it was Top Gun. It was Maverick. I'm in. So I'm interested in that one too. Call me crazy, or I'm also interested in Sonic 2. Sonic 2, the first one was good with Jim Carrey. I I loved playing the game on the Sega with my cousin growing up. Now we got Idris Elba as Knuckles. Knuckles was always the cooler hedgehog. I hope they continue making these movies. Shadow comes in. Tails is in this one. Jim Carrey is awesome as the Eggman. So I'm interested in Sonic 2 as well. And last, but certainly not least, Lightyear. Lightyear got another trailer out of nowhere, and holy soundtrack did we come out with. We had David Bowie's Starman playing in the background, setting the tone that this is going to be a freaking awesome space movie, folks. Buzz Lightyear, Chris Evans playing Buzz Lightyear in this origin story. We see some aliens, the bad guys. We see some coming face-to-face, and we saw Zerg. I, you know, I, the, the kid in me is nerding out. I love Toy Story growing up. Disney was the... The family watching Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, awesome. Buzz Lightyear and Zerg being father-son was funny. Everything's going to be good, and Chris Evans makes it watchable. Lightyear is on the movie watch list for the summer. Just very promising, whether it be your horror with Nope and the Multiverse of Madness, or your action with The Lost City and Top Gun, Sonic 2, Lightyear, there's your family movies. And Jurassic World Dominion, folks, has a chance to be one of the most special 
spectacle, the most beautiful movies you can ever watch. CGI is at an all-time high right now. Very excited for what is coming out in the summer. I'm going to have my big bag of popcorn ready. I'm going to have my gigantic Coke ready, and I'll probably spend $33.94 on it, but I won't care because I'm watching movies I like this summer. After the break. We're actually going to stay in the time machine. Stay in the year 2021. I know some of us had a good 21. Some of us had a bad 2021. Well, I won money in 2021, giving you guys the Nikola Jokic MVP pick. So I'm going to go back to some million-dollar moves for this year's MVP award, Coach of the Year, and Most Improved Player, all after the break. Million-dollar moves. MVP, Coach of the Year and most approved player of the year. I'm going to give you my picks. You can tell my picks going to betus.com.pa. Enter promo code AIRTIME. That's A-I-R-T-I-M-E. And you'll get 100% bonus on those picks. But we're going to start with coach of the year. And the current favorite for coach of the year is Monty Williams. Monty Williams is at minus 220 on my book. And right after him is J.B. Bickerstaff at plus 325. Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies plus 700. And Billy Donovan of the Chicago Bulls also at plus 700. When you look at Coach of the Year, Coach of the Year is an award they give to a coach that leads a team to over-exceed their expectations. Over-achieve, exceed, same deal. Monty Williams was on a team that went to the NBA Finals last year. And granted, he was snubbed. Tom Thibodeau, for whatever reason, won Coach of the Year with the New York Knicks. If that doesn't show they cater to big markets, well, I don't know what to tell you. But Monty Williams was snubbed. So I I could see them giving him an award in good faith. But minus 220 is no fun to bet, man. It's the favorite. Who cares? My pick, J.B. Bickerstaff, would be a pretty good one. Talk about having a a young team come out ready to play every night. And they've been hanging around the top four in the East for a team that was probably not even in a playing conversation. So J.B. Bickerstaff, plus 325, is a guy I'd hammer. Billy Donovan at plus 700 is a guy I'd hammer. Billy Donovan, what he has had to deal with, losing Lonzo Ball, losing Alex Caruso, losing Patrick Williams, COVID issues, Levine's now having knee issues. And you know what he does? He just keeps chugging out wins. He has activated DeMar DeRozan. I don't know if it's him activating DeMar DeRozan, but the schemes are good right now. Billy Donovan has the Bulls playing over their head. A lot of people said those are that's going to be a play-in team. I don't know if they get out of the first round. Well, yeah, now they're the two-seed. So Billy Donovan talking about overachieving expectations on the, one of the best teams in the NBA, that's something you like with those odds. Uh, if you wanted a long shot, Steve Nash at plus 5,000. If the Nets just somehow turn it around, everything that Steve Nash has had to deal with, Kyrie, James Harden, Durant injury, if he gets Simmons and Seth and Drummond, he's just like, hey, we're going to be the five seed. I need you guys to get me the five seed, start scheming. Hard to, hard to turn away Steve Nash as coach of the year. So really like Billy Donovan, J.B. Bickerstaff, and Mike and Taylor Jenkins. Taylor Jenkins with Memphis, similar situation to the Bulls. The pieces weren't in place. They just didn't know how they'd fit. We see that it's one of the best teams in the NBA. So Donovan and Taylor Jenkins, both at plus 700. Makes sense as they're kind of in a similar boat. Bickerstaff at plus 325. Put the gavel down. We'll hammer that, please. And thank you. Looking at the most improved player, Morant is the <laughs> Morant is the odds-on favorite for minus 475. Are you serious? <laughs> I now look. A lot of times, the most approved player, it's a guy that wasn't an all-star, turns into an all-star, turns into a third-team All-NBA, turns into a a player on a, an elite team, like Chris Middleton-esque type guy, C.J. McCollum-esque type guy. John Morant was the second pick of the draft. 
20 last average 20 last year now granted he took a non-all-star year into an all-star year and do an all nba year and do one of the favorites for the mvp year but the talent was there he was the second pick in the draft that improvement was expected now granted was it the most improvement yeah and he'll probably win the award i don't even want to give you another pick but morant it just doesn't make sense. I, I look at this list. Miles Bridges at plus 600. Miles Bridges made significant improvement. He put on weight. He's dunking people through the earth's crust, and he's hitting threes. Deontay Murray's at plus 1,500. Deontay Murray's put on significant improvement. Went from never being an all-star to an all-star. Has the most triple doubles in Spurs history. Deontay Murray is absolutely needing to be in that spot at plus 1,500. Darius Garland's at plus 1,000. Darius Garland's made a lot of improvement on one of the best teams in the NBA. So by the same reasoning that John Moran, Darius Garland was a lottery pick. The Cavs expected him to be with Colin Sexton. They expected him to take a large jump, and he did. He was an early pick. He made a large jump. That's what you'd expect out of early picks. Was it a lot of improvement? Yes. And that's what the award is, most improved. But I think Bridges and Murray are two guys I'd have marked out. Garland and Morant kind of both expected to be that improved uh, conversation. Looking at the MVP, the current favorite right now is Joel Embiid, which might be the worst bet on the card right now because who knows what James Harden and Joel Embiid will, will hold. The best bet is the reigning, defending, undisputed most valuable player in the world that's right folks it's the man that i told you all to bet on last year nikola jokic is at plus 335 second best odds that team is currently a sixth seed and playing with the 47 year old Car- carmelo anthony and 37 year old chauncey billups and 50 year old Allen iverson no i'm just kidding i'm just playing but monty morris will barton like, like nobody knows those guys no, if nobody has household names on the Nuggets. Joel Embiid has household names. Tobias Harris may not be a household name, but now he's got James Harden. Giannis Antetokounmpo got Chris Middleton, who was pretty damn good in the playoffs. Steph Curry's got Draymond Green and Klay Thompson. Nikola Jokic is taking a team with their two other best players hurt, and they are the five seed. The five seed. And he goes home every night and eats three Big Macs and comes to practice and works everybody again. That is an MVP in my eyes, folks. Plus 335, I really like Jokic this year. And honest to God, Giannis Antetokounmpo at plus 375 ain't a bad bet either. He's missed a lot of time. Or not a lot of time, but he missed spot games here and there. Defensive player of the years, he's the favorite right now. Michael Bridges second. I'd probably give that to Bridges just because of the sheer versatility and the fact that he can tie his shoes without bending down. But Giannis at plus 375 is not bad. If Kevin Durant did not get hurt, this would have been his year. 100%. I mean, with all the Harden stuff, and I don't know if Harden leaves if Durant's healthy. Who knows? A lot of ifs and buts and candy and nuts with that James Harden trade. But Durant, if he's not hurt, I remember I, I, I was on this very show telling you that he was having the best offensive season of all time. Of all time. The numbers that he had early on, the percentages that he had early on, the fact that he was hitting 60% of his mid-range jumpers is just absurd to me. I mean, obviously, now he's missing time. He's not going to be MVP. But you see how bad the Nets are without him, 11 straight losses. That's value. That's value if you want to put it that way. Uh, This guy's at plus 3,000. Chris, it doesn't matter what Chris Paul's odds are because he's not going to be an MVP, folks. He's not going to be an MVP. Devin Booker is the most valuable player on the Suns, and he's got better odds than Chris Paul right now. Devin Booker is really good. He's really good at basketball. Breaking news. I, I, I hope you guys know that because, I mean, the fact that he's able to take over games down the stretch now, he's got a mid-range jumper. He can hit a three. I know Chris Paul's kind of made him a better player, but, man, oh, man, is Devin Booker really good. He's a really good player. He He's everything you want in a modern wing. Defensively, you have Mike Bridges to cover up some of those lapses that Booker has, but, man, oh, man. Booker's the MVP of that Suns team. Neither are the MVP of the league, though, but just, just fun to look at the Suns. I mean, they're the best team in the league, so you got to have some sort of player on the MVP list. 
Uh, a guy I could see kind of snagging that like Derrick Rose 2012 award where it's like, oh yeah, no, like he, he's been really good and I, he's, he's probably the most valuable player to his team in the league outside of Jokic would be John Morant. Like John Morant has the same makeup as Rose a little bit. He's a, I think he's better than Rose was when Rose won the MVP. And I think that's, it sounds crazy, but I, I think I believe it. Like watching him play, his his ability to stretch the floor now, that was a huge concern out of college. He's a very good passer. Desmond Baines, obviously working with him, great Morant at plus 1,200 for MVP. I don't know if you can win most improved player and most valuable player in the same year, but those are odds I'd keep my eye on. But, yeah, no, it's the reigning, defending, most valuable player in the world. That should be everybody's bet. Once again, I I, I don't like Steph. Steph had a little bit of a snag. And Embiid's with Harden now. Bronze team is bad. DeRozan at plus 2,800, if he keeps rattling off wins and Levine injury is what it is, and he's just doing this with Kobe White, Io DeSunmu, and Nikola Vukovic, it's going to be hard to ignore that. So plus 2,800 for DeRozan. Put a pin in that. We'll save that one for a couple weeks down the road, see how the Bulls are doing, see where Levine's at if he's healthy. But a lot to digest. If I had to pick my three right now, though, it's Nikola Jokic, it's John Morant, and it's J.B. Bickerstaff. And it'll probably go to Jokic and Morant, but I think that coach of the year, they're going to right the wrongs and give it to Monty Williams. After the break, rounding out the show with everybody's favorite Wednesday segments. Hump Day Hoopers, Hater Wednesday, all after Price is, wrong, Price is Right, telling you you're wrong. <laughs> Mike, Mike, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Hump day! And folks, it is time for Hump Day Hoopers! Highlighting five of the best players this week, and we are going to start with the New York Stinks and New York Knicks. That didn't rhyme. I thought it would, but we're going to start with Julius Randle, someone who I thought would not be making any of the Hump Day Hoopers list this season. He got his bag. I thought he was going to chillax. He's turning it up a little bit as the Knicks are turning it down, averaging 29 points a game, 12 rebounds since last Monday. But, folks, one in four in that stretch. Julius Randle's finding a groove. Knicks are not. Let's try to get them on the same page this week. Next up, I have Anthony Simons. He's finding his groove. Talking about finding a groove. Wow, 24 points a game, five assists, all while shooting 45% from the field in February, tearing it up as the young guard out in Portland. He is probably going to be the face of the rebuild out in Rip City. He's won three in a row this week, so everybody clap it up. Anthony Simons, second on the list. Third, all my homies love Jakapoito, baby. A man who is all over trade deadline rumors, but still performing nonetheless since last Wednesday. Portal is averaging Four blocks a game, three and a half blocks a game, excuse me, and nine boards. He's a force on the interior and could be one of the five keys to a final contender in the near future. Probably not in San Antonio, but Pirtle, a guy to keep your eye on as he is definitely that interior defender I talked about last week. And then how about another big-time interior defender, Hassan Whiteside, thrusted into a bigger role out in the Jazz. Everybody knows how much I hate talking about the Jazz. Loving guys on the Jazz. I hate that too. But Rudy Gobert went down. Hassan Whiteside was thrusted into a bigger role. And in their last three wins, they've been on that big win streak. The last three, two double-doubles, four blocks a game, and 16 boards. Is Rudy Gobert replaceable? Well, buddy, I've got some bad news because Hassan Whiteside is doing what Rudy Gobert can at a much less significant cost. Talking about Maury Ball, folks. It all comes full circles. Why do we like him? Because he's cheap and he gets on base. Hassan Whiteside, hump day hooper, number three. Number four. Oh, that was number four. Excuse me. Hassan Whiteside was number four. Excuse me. Number five, a guy who hasn't been on the NBA hardwood in three years, but his reinstatement is Folks, Tyreek Evans is back in the NBA and can be signed anymore. Fair, former Rookie of the Year. I'm kind of interested to see if he's got anything left in the tank. Tyreek Evans, a guy 20 points a game, playing with DeMarcus Cousins early on. A lot of promise. 
had some issues, suspension. He's reinstated. Let's see if he's got anything left in the tank. I'm excited to see him back on a basketball court. So he is our fifth Hump Day Hooper of the Year. So we got Julius Randle playing well. Knicks losing games, but he's our Hump Day Hooper. Anthony Simons, face of the rebuild. Hey, oh, number two. All my homies love Jakob Pertl, big time interior defense. Hassan Whiteside, the Rudy Gobert, Maury Ball replacement. And number five, Tyreek Evans is back. And why we've been showing love, my heart's coming back with hate. And it's time to counteract that love with Hater Wednesday. I've already hated on some basketball players with the name James. I'm sorry, Rick James. We are an anti-James show now. But it's time to hate on classic movie tropes. I'm getting excited about movies. The summer is going to be full of them. So let's talk about scenes and just different stuff that movies do that we all hate. Moving forward, I'm going to try to get a voicemail. I'll try to get something where you guys can call in. Give me your hates. I've been working with the sound developer trying to get a phone number to do that. So something to be on the lookout for on our Twitter. You guys can tell me what you're hating on here soon. But starting back with the classic movie tropes i'm hating on the bad dialogue that people were like really never talk you know like oh johnny you never do this i'm your brother i know these things like who in their right mind is like hey hey ellie i know you shouldn't do this i you're you're we just have this thing we're we're related no nobody talks like this so i'm hating on bad dialogue and you know what i'm hating on children draw spooky pictures or having imaginary friends those creep the hell out of me it's overused and it's cliche and you know what fine i'll tell you i'm a pansy it creeps the hell out of me i said that you know what else you know what else just boils me boils me up i just hate how every bad guy ever doesn't know how to shoot a gun but every good guy ever first time he picks it up right in the head don't believe me any Star Wars, any Star Wars movie, anyone. There's no way stormtroopers just get to where they are in the galaxy and not be able to shoot ten people away. If that's the case, they need a better training program. I, you know what, Darth? I'll be your star troop, stormtrooper, whatever they're called. I'll be that training guy. I'll learn how to shoot. It'd be much better than anybody in those movies. It's just brutal to watch how bad some of those aims are for bad guys. And you know what else? Talking about hating on bad guys or no no move this i'm talking about guys that use gun anytime that somebody's cocking a gun or shot it or loads it don't use a cheesy one-liner nobody in their right mind wants to see that hating on high school students played by 27 year olds channing tatum and she's the man he looks fully developed looks like a freaking nba superstar and NFL cornerback and he's playing soccer with high schoolers. Come on. Come on. And that's a romantic movie? I'm hating on romantic plots that don't fit into the story. If this is an action film and these two characters, oh, they just saved their life. Let's be friends after. No! We have to make out in the most cheesy way possible. Hate it. Going back to hating on the bad dialogue. I hate when characters like behave irrationally. They like they're using dialogue that doesn't really tie into their character or they're doing something that doesn't tie into their character. It doesn't make sense. You build this character one way and then you're like, "Oh wait, we wanted to do this. Uh, let's let's do this." And everybody hates it. Nobody has fun. I'm also hating on just irrational thinking. Geico does a fantastic commercial because, of course, it's freaking Geico. Geico does every great commercial. But they make fun of the classic movie trope of the group of high schoolers running under the chainsaws to hide from a guy that kills people with chainsaws. Nobody thinks realistically in a classic horror movie. I hate it. Probably because I'm a pansy. They know exactly what I'm doing. Don't go to the chainsaws. Don't go to the chainsaws. You went to the chainsaws. And my hands go on my head. Everybody knows what's going to happen but every time it's scary i'm a pansy don't think irrational for not my pansy thought call 911 next time you've got a chainsaw killer don't run under chainsaws it'll make me as a movie watcher feel better and i got this one every 2000s corny high school college movie had this 
Five college friends have to go save the pretty girl after kidnapped by professors. This is Escape from Detention. Nobody wants to hear that. Like, like, just show me what the movie is about. Nobody wants to hear that voice. Like, who, who is... Who, who watches that is like, yes, that voice is what I want to hear in everything, too. Like, it does it in Pawn Stars and Bering Seagull and any, any of those shows you watch on Discovery History Channel. That voice is the same guy. He's got a weird life, man. I don't know his face, but I know his voice. Nope. Just, just show me what the movie is about. I don't want to hear that guy's voice anymore. And last, but certainly not least, as a frequent movie watcher myself... This isn't even like something that movies do. This is something people do while watching movies. I hate the constant questions during the movie, people. Oh, what's he doing? Why is he turning bad? Have you watched the movie? My goodness. My goodness. But I'll tell you who I love. It's Hater Wednesday. But I love the people who listen to us here at Nothing But Airtime. Every Wednesday on the Dash Radio, on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, wherever you find us. Rate, comment, subscribe, and folks, I want you to stay safe out there as there's a lot of hump day fever. Hump day fever. Have a good day, folks. Stay safe. Cold rains checking off. Make it clear Hump day fever